What's up, Joe? What's up, everybody? The second half of the NBA season is underway, so things are about to get serious as the top teams position themselves for the playoffs. My man Larry Williams joins me to talk about a number of issues, including whether the Lakers have enough to emerge from the Western Conference. Let me just say we don't see eye to eye on this one. But it's all good. How can it not be? After all, it's the return of the NBA on Sports 360. Joining me today on Sports 360 is our man Larry Williams and he joins us today to talk about the second half of the NBA season what to look forward to and also to talk a little bit about that first half and what went down what's up Larry how you doing man I'm great Jeff and yourself I'm doing great too Uh, I'm doing great listen man it's been a long time since we've you know, gotten together, uh, but we've reached that halfway point, even though more than half the games have been played, but, you know, we're just a week uh, out from the All-Star game, and um, we're officially in the second half of the NBA season, and, man, I just want to jump right into it, man, and talk about, you know, what, you know, get your thoughts about the first half of the season and and how you, you know, view things shaping up as we head down the stretch. Hey, that, uh, I'm going to start off in the East, Jeff, and I'm telling you that at Eastern Conference, I mean, Milwaukee has everybody scared except for Toronto. I mean, and I saw Toronto play tonight, and they won by the largest margin they've ever won a game by 40-some points. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was the first one that would have said the quality of leaving there's no way Toronto would be. But Saakam has showed me something. And I always, I always knew he had it in him, but I didn't know he could actually, you know, lead it over to his whole team. This is a kid that actually is in the league because he told his father, because all his other brothers tried to make it and they didn't. He told his father while he was living that he would make it. And then he actually made it, but his father had to see. Uh, and I think this kid is on a mission. And and, and I, I mean, I'm not using that like he wouldn't have been on that mission without that, but now he's on a even more of a mission because of the fact that his father never got a chance to see him, you know, make it to the NBA. And Siakam plays every day like you would want every player to play. Uh, so even though Milwaukee is winning, I still say Toronto Raptors is not the team you ever want to see in the in the playoffs. So yeah. the second half of the season, I, I I really think they're getting to prove that they were a team, even with Kawhi, they were a great team. But they're a great team even if Kawhi decided to not, you know, to sign back. And they're trying to prove a point, and so far they have. Yeah, well, um, this coming Tuesday. You know, we have a matchup between Milwaukee and 
and Toronto. And so, you know, we'll see, you know, obviously that's a big game on the schedule. Um, but, you know, right now Milwaukee is, you know, just head and shoulders, you know, they have like a six or seven game lead in the East over Toronto in that second spot. And I hear what you're saying about Toronto. I think Toronto has been a surprise to most people. I think a lot of people thought they were going to take a step back. Obviously they won the championship last year. Um, I think people believe they were going to be good, but not as good as they've been. And, you know, you talk about Siakam, but you also got to talk about Kyle Lowry too, because he's been balling and you got to give that coaching staff some credit along with the players. But um, I tell you what, I mean, right now, Milwaukee is also on the mission because I think when they got knocked out last year, um, that left a bad taste in their mouth. And they've come back with a vengeance and they've had that pedal to the metal um, since the season began. So right now they're looking, you know, they're looking really tough. Hey, so I'm just, again, you know, we, we see, we saw Boston tonight lose a tough one to the Lakers, but, uh, Hey man, those young boys on the Boston Celtics again. Like, remember, I told you this last year. I don't think they're old enough to even realize that they're not supposed to be that good. But Tatum, Brown, uh, what's this kid that came over from Utah? Name kid that came Gordon over. Gordon Haywood. Gordon Haywood. I mean, these kids are playing. Marcus Smart is willing to be the, you know, the the guy that I don't need the glory. I just want to win the story. You know, he, he, he'll he take that. As long as we can be the top story, I, I, I'll give up the glory. Marcus Smart is playing out, you know, out of this world. Defensively, he's hitting big shots. He's doing whatever is needed for his team to, you know, to sustain itself and show that they're a championship caliber team. Yeah, and I like Boston, man. I mean, um, I, I, I think – I really do think, though, they're getting past that point of, um, you know, I, I think they've grown up. I mean, even though Jason Tatum's not even 22 years old yet, you know what I mean? He's 21, um, but you saw the game he had today, he scored 40-something points against the Lakers. 41. 41. You know, yeah, I thought they kept him on the bench too long, quite frankly, in the fourth quarter. And they didn't bring him back. There was like seven minutes to go in the game or six and change. But in any event, um you know, he certainly has, you know, he's stepped up and he's coming to his own. And, you know, you got Kimba, um, as you said, Jalen Brown. So I like their mix. Um, and so I think that they will be a tough team. But, but Dub, you know what? When you talk about the East, I think the only three teams worth talking about, really, and no disrespect to Miami or to Indiana or to well, Philly, forget Philly. Philly, to me, is an imposter this year. Um, I, I think the only teams that that really are, you know, have a chance to do damage in the playoffs are those top three, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston. Um, what do you think? Well, when we're talking about playoffs, you know, because that's seven-game series, coaches making changes and, and making, you know, the adjustments, and the players. Coaches can make adjustments, but if players don't understand what the coach is doing, it doesn't matter. And I think that's what you have with your Philly. Philly, I think the coach is making the adjustment, but the players don't want to make the adjustment. They want to think their way is the highway, you know, is, is, is the right way. Uh, so you got Indiana, man, and I'm telling you, 
I, I hear what you're saying, and I'm agreeing with you 100, well, I say 99%. But I would not want to play Nate McMillan and the way the Indiana Pacers are playing right now. I, I wouldn't. So, like I said, until, you know, the playoffs come, it's up in the air because you got another hat. We're talking about, we know, NBA is you're only as good as your stars are healthy. If one start goes down, that's it. It's it's almost like curtains up, curtains closed. Yeah. So with Indiana, they already deal with 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 all the injuries. They already deal with all the players that are not superstars. They already deal with all that. So it would be another day at the office for them. So that's the part you have to see that they're used to just doing what they do, you know, and making making the adjustments the way they need to make. They have to make adjustments every game almost, you know, depending on who's hurt. But uh, like I said, uh, at the end of the day, those three teams, if everyone's healthy, those three te- teams you just said, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Boston, they, 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 they run the gamut. Uh, I, w- I would agree to that. Yeah. But – yeah, we'll see. I mean, Indiana, you know, is always going to be a tough out. I, I, I just, um, I, I, I think those other teams are better. Um, but we'll see. Again, as they come down the stretch, not only health, but just what kind of ball you're playing toward the end of the season, too. You know what I mean? You, you want to be playing your best ball as as you head into the playoffs. Um, and so it's going to be interesting. But in the East, it doesn't, you know, I, I think it's not as as intriguing as out west for example where the lakers are doing really well you know they have like a five game lead over denver and the clippers have been scuffling a little bit um you know they've been banged up Um, a lot of people think that they're the best team out in the west and that they will emerge with the number one seed but right now the lakers have a five game cushion on second seeded denver and you know the clippers are in third place but uh well, what's your thoughts on the West, man? Uh, do the Lakers have enough? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, LeBron and, and AD going to give you theirs, but it seemed to me they still need that reliable third option, and they don't really have that. But w- w- what are your thoughts about the Lakers and overall about what's going on out West? I saw something today in the Lakers that scared that would scare every team in the NBA. Dwight Howard has moved back about two feet from the free throw line and it actually has been hitting his free throws. Now we talk about Dwight Howard because we know he wasn't scoring at the rate he was because he's not the one, two or three op- third option for any team, you know, as of late. And then the fact that he couldn't hit free throws really put him out of the whole equation. Like, so what? He's on the floor, but he doesn't contribute offensively. But the fact that he was hitting his free throws today, that he's moved back two feet from the free throw line, that he was hitting those free throws, that makes the Lakers one of the most dangerous teams in the league. You're talking about JaVale McGee, who's an athlete around the basket. You know, you're talking about LeBron James, who can jump over the the backboard. Talking about, uh, what's his name from Anthony Davis. Davis. Uh, AD, that, that's that's why I can't remember his name. I call him AD so much I can't remember his name. AD, and then you're talking about Dwight Howard. You're talking about three seven-footers that, that, that can jump. And not 
they score in different ways. AD scores inside, outside, three points. Dwight Howard scores, you know, free throw line extended, you know, free throws, dunks. And JaVale McGee is strictly, when you get to the goal, let him dunk. You know, throw it up over everybody and he dunks. That alone with LeBron James, and, and everybody forgets this now. My guy, because I'm a point guard, Roger Rondo, Rondo is one of the best point guards still in this NBA. If you want to just speak of point guards, we're not talking about scoring guards, scoring point guards. We're talking about point guards, people who can direct traffic, lead teams. He's still one of the best. So that makes them, I mean, I'm just telling you, in a seven-game series to anybody, I, I still go with the Lakers. Not to mention that LeBron, his relationship with Kobe, as well Kobe's relationship with everyone in the NBA, has has made them, you know, go on a mission. And their mission is to only win the ship. They don't have yeah. any other mission. And I can't say that any other team has that. Even though Milwaukee is good and they're winning, I think they still have other agendas like, hey, we're going to beat everybody. Not just like their goal is to win the ship. I, I, I can't see that. I don't hear that. With LeBron, you hear it. And being that LeBron is one of the best players still in the league, that's dangerous. Well, let, let me just jump in here. Cause I got to tell you this. I'm going to have to disagree, beg to differ with you. I mean, you're going to tell me because Dwight Howard is hitting free throws that that makes the Lakers dangerous. I mean, to me, they still need that reliable third option, right? Because I'm telling you, man, one of the things that concerns me is that they they are riding LeBron and AD like nobody's business. Like today, I'm you know, after the game, ESPN puts up there, AD and LeBron combined for 61 points. And you know what, Dub? They have to do that. They have to do that every single game because if they don't, they're not winning and because they don't have someone else who can reliably go out there and give them – 15 to 20 points so that they have three guys out there who are clicking. And I know what you're saying about Rondo, but man, I think Rondo's running on fumes, bro. I really do. I think, I think he still got it up in his head, but I think he can only give you like quality leadership and quality games every once in a while. I think he's too old, Dub. I don't think he got enough in the tank. So, here's the deal, Jeff, not to cut you off, I promise you not to cut you off, but here's the deal. In this game of basketball, there's knowledge and then there's athleticism. Athleticism will take you, you know, a long way, but knowledge will take you across the finish line. And I'm saying Rondo understands what he can do, what he can't do, and he only does the things he can do. As opposed to you got a lot of point guards who are great. I mean, they're good. But they try to do more than they, they're supposed to do. Just do what you do. And, and your team realizes that because you practice with them every day. Then they benefit from all of your knowledge as well as what their athleticism is. You know, and that's what I'm saying. And I'm saying Rondo is only probably uh, at the most 25 minutes. Right, you don't even start. Yeah, I, 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 but, I, but I'm telling you, what other team, now that Detroit just got rid of 
their point guard, Reggie, and now they got D. Rhodes starting. Who comes in if D. Rhodes is having a bad day? And I'm just using that, that team, not like they're a competitive team or championship team. I'm just showing you. And D. Rhodes, I'm still saying, right now has emerged as one of the best point guards still in this league with scoring ability, defensive-wise, athleticism. He's showing you he's still, you know, at the top. Derrick Rose, great, but he playing on a team that's going nowhere. But I'm talking about Rondo, though, right? See, but, but Rondo, to me, because listen, there comes a time, too, and I know what you're saying, that, you know, you have athleticism and then you have that wisdom, right? And I get that. But, you know, and you've been there because we've all been there as we get older in this life, right, where your mind knows what to do, but your body said, uh-uh, right? Because you just can't do it anymore. So, but he's not at that point yet. He's I, well, I beg to differ. I, I, I think he know. is. I, I think Rondo is on fumes, bro. I think he knows when to turn it on, and I think now he's coasting because he's trying to get to that playoff point. And when the playoff comes, he's going to turn it up even more. Okay. I mean, I, I, I've been there. I've been where you've been injured for for half the season, and you say, I'm just trying to make it to the end. If we get there, then, I mean, you'll see who I'm really made of because now I won't have any excuses. Even if I'm hurting, I won't show you I'm hurting because I only know I got three or four more games and it's all over. Well, and let me I'm ask really you this, ripped. though. Let me ask you this, Dub. Does it concern you that we're more than halfway through the season and Kyle Kuzma has yet to seem to figure out how he can be a, an effective third option. Because if anybody on that team could step Andrew. up and be a third option, you know, to to AD and to LeBron, it would be Kyle Kuzma. And yet he hasn't seemed to quite fit into that because it's, it's a change of role for him. Um, does that concern you that at this stage of the season – that the Lakers and Kuzma have not yet figured that out? It doesn't because this is why I tell you it doesn't. Because remember the game they played the Clippers and he guarded Kawhi Leonard, who is my favorite player in basketball right now. You can take Giannis, you can take LeBron. I'm telling you Kawhi is my dude. And, and I don't, you know, it's, I'm not a fan of anyone. I'm saying only because of his approach to the game, consistency to the game. So having said that, with seeing Kuzma shut quite down at the end, I have no problem with that because you. Well, wait, 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 what game did you see when Kuzma shut down Kawhi? Because I didn't see the, it. The game, the game they played the the Clippers, and Kawhi was scoring, and then they switched over, and the Lakers beat the Clippers. No, whoa, whoa! The Lakers didn't beat the Clippers this year. Come on, come on, man! I, you come on, go check it out. They lost. They lost the first game of the season, and they lost on Christmas. When did they? When did Lakers beat them? When I missed that game. No, and I, I, I'm, I'm slipping because I don't, I'm from Houston, and I don't want to embarrass my. <laughs> I, I, it was when they played the Rockets, and, and he shut down James Harden. You know, he they, they moved him over to James Harden. Oh, I, 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 I apologize. Okay, my, my but but it's it, it, I know it's either the team I love because I'm from Houston, or the player I love, which was Kawhi. 
so I, I know it's two, but I take it back. It was the Rockets when they switched him over to James Harden, and and he played, de- you know, his defense. So you can be the third wheel on any team as long as you're bringing something. And if what you're bringing is defense, or you're bringing offensive rebounds, or you're bringing uh, just deflection from playing defense, you know, or if you are hitting threes, you know, just all the threes they aren't hitting, you know, you can bring that third wheel. But every team has to have two players every night that to be to be successful. I think you got to have two players every night that are bringing it. And with AD and and LeBron, they're they're paid to bring it every night. So bring yeah. it. I mean, what, yeah, what, what? and they do, and they do. I mean, I I, I think. Look, um, I, 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 I would just like to see the Lakers have someone to consistently help out those two guys. Um, every now and then, Kuzma might put up a good game. Every now and then, you know, Danny Green might put up a good game. But they don't seem to really have that reliable other option, someone who you can say, hey, man, give me 15. You know what I mean? Um, Kuzma has that ability, but he, you know, he just hasn't done it yet. And look, I like the Clippers. I think the Clippers are really a balanced team with, you know, your favorite player, Kawhi, and with Paul George. And they got, you know, Beverly doing his junkyard dog routine as at, at the point guard. And then you got Lou Williams who comes off the bench and gives you some, you know, scoring. You got um, um, Harold who gives you some, you know, that, that scoring from yeah. the inside. And they, they picked up, you know, Morris from the Knicks. Um, they, got and the I, best, they got the best bench scoring in the NBA, period. Yeah, man. Guys come off the bench, and we talked yeah. about that. You and I talked about that. Those those guys could probably start on every team. Yeah, man. The team they're playing on. Mm-hmm. So, so I like them. I think they're a little banged up, but, you know, and so far the Lakers haven't proven that they're able to beat them. And I got to tell you what, <laughs> you know, the games I've seen where, you know, Clippers, Lakers, it seems to me Kawhi, you know, as he always does, he rises, you know, he rises to the occasion and to the challenge. And to me, LeBron played a little bit small in those games, man. On it's you know, so you know, because I don't know he wants to go up against Kawhi. You know what I mean? Um, but um, you know, look, I, I pull for LeBron, I root for LeBron, I'll continue to do that. But um Something just tells me that if they don't, if they, if the Lakers don't develop, you know, a little bit more balance, I'm going to call it, you know, with some other guys adding some consistent offense, I think come playoff time, it might get a little tight for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got bounced. All right. Uh, with, with the fact that they waived uh, big man from uh, Kentucky, you know, and, and he was waived, and now they're discussing bringing on was Marquis Morris. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. to the team. Uh, I I don't see Marquis as being the answer to the question, uh, to the solution to what they need. But uh, the fact that they waived him, and I'm telling you who I would go get if I was the Lakers, Jamal Crawford would be my pick. And the reason I said Jamal Crawford, because even if he wasn't scoring, 
he would be making plays for someone. And the fact that Jamal Crawford has never been known as a defensive liability. I'm not saying he's a defensive stopper. He's never been known as a defensive liability. Uh, and that would answer your question at, at the point guard for the Lakers for when you're saying Rondo can only go 25, and then you got Crawford who's going the other, you know, the other 20, 23 minutes, should I say, yeah. that uh, that they played. He would be the answer to your question. And believe me, this kid, I, I know him personally because he played for Phoenix when my son was there, and I had up close and in-depth look at him. I don't care what you say. Jamal Crawford is still capable of scoring 60 points in a game. He, he He's capable. He's that kind of guy. I'm telling you, I've been impressed with this kid since 94. So now. Yeah, but think about what you're saying, though, Dub. I mean, again, that's another guy that got a lot of, you know, he got a lot of miles on him. You know what I mean? You know, the – the the tread on his tires are, are are bare. You can't stick a penny in it. You know what I mean? You know how you check your tires? You want to see if you still got enough. Will you stick a penny in the groove to see to see how much yeah. <laughs> to yeah. see yeah. how yeah. much yeah. Lincoln is showing? I think yeah. I think yeah. you can see the whole penny on him, man. You're like you're like everybody else, but you 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 seem to forget professionalism. Nah, That's I'm not. Man, you know you know what Mark Jackson play. say. You know what Mark Jackson always say? What did Mark say? He always says that Father Time is undefeated. And <laughs> listen, I, man. I'll agree. I'll agree. But if you if you brought me in for my last hurrah and I was 35, and you know what? Still better than most of the kids that are 22 and 25 and 27. I'm better than most of them, even at, at my age. And I know this is my last hurrah. Do you not think I'm not going to lay everything out for you because I'm a professional? Yes, I'm not... I do. I do okay, believe so, you're going to so do that. that. That's, that's all I'm talking about. We're talking about one season, finishing a half of a season, and you're telling me Jamal Crawford just came off of last year playing where he scored 50 points in a game, and you don't think he has a half of a season left in him? No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying no. is I think it's I think I think that to to you know put your eggs in that kind of a basket with a guy whose best years are certainly behind him. All I'm saying is I'm not certain that that is what is going to happen when you go up for example against the Clippers because the Clippers aren't relying on anybody like that. They're not relying on someone who's on their last and I, hurrah. And they got guys, the man. I'm only talking about the Lakers team because we're talking about older guys. You're talking about Rondo. So I'm talking about the Lakers. Me too. I'm, I'm just saying, oh. I don't know if they got enough to, to, to tangle with the Clippers. Because, see, the Clippers aren't relying on a Jamal Crawford or a Ray John Rondo. They got guys who right now aren't on their last hurrah. They got guys who are, who are ready to bring it. You know what I mean? And they have a really balanced team. And I think the Lakers are unbalanced. They got they're, they're top heavy. LeBron so and AB at the top me, and then me, at the bottom the they're not too good. Let me do the matchup for you. So you got Kawhi and LeBron balance out. Okay. Kawhi. You got, you got Kawhi and LeBron balance out. You know, because each one of them are capable of scoring 30 points in a game. Each yeah. one of them. I'll take Kawhi. 
Okay. Uh, no, I will. T- I told you he's my guy, but I'm just saying <laughs> we're, we're matching him up now. Okay. So you got Kawhi LeBron. So now you got Paul George and Anthony Davis. Come on. I'm why why are you putting Davis. Paul George on Anthony Davis? I'm not putting him on him. We're matching up with who's going to produce for each team. Okay. Fair enough. It's, Fine. It's okay. Okay. It, it, All right. The game is about matchups. So okay. But you're going to run out of, you're going to run out of people on the Lakers real fast. Okay. So no, go ahead. No, who's no. next? So, so now I, I got Rondo. I understand that, uh, that, uh, Beverly is a scrappy downer, but I'm I'm gonna put Rondo on him because that's what he is. He's a veteran. He's getting to your mind. He's gonna he's gonna play those games with you. And whatever game you want to play, I'm willing to play with you. So we we nullify each other. So now we're mm. we're, we're nullified. So nah, now, nah. Wait. No. Nah. I, I know you got Montreal Harris, but guess what? For this game only, I'm talking Dwight Howard into playing his best defensive game. No. All, no. Just a seven-game series. We're talking no. about a seven-game series, and we need to win four of them. So we're going to do it in five. So it's a five-game series. Mm. So I'm I'm talking him into playing defense on a Montreal Harris. You got to give me all the energy you got on. Make sure you get all the defense rebounds. Dwight Howard's a walking – he's walking foul trouble. See, you know that. The way how it, but boy, when he's tired, I'm bringing in JaVel McGee. Oh, oh yeah, JaVel McGee. You saw the game the other day. JaVel McGee had three fouls in the first you can't quarter. Base it on games that you see doing this because these are games when it's a seven game series. We're Come strategizing on. only okay. with one team. But JaVel McGee is is the star of Shaq and the Fool. And you going to be talking about JaVel McGee. Look, I like JaVel <laughs> McGee. <Okay. laughs> But look what you're telling, talking about, uh, Dub. Man, I'm going mean, to talk to Pam. I'm going to tell Pam, you serious on this star, Jack taking the food, man. Come well, on, man. I, look, I'm just stating the obvious. Isn't he like like the two-time like defending champion yeah, of Shaq and the Fool? I got you. He got you. You got me. I understand that. But what All right. Well, here's the like, thing. Here's the thing. This makes it interesting. We'll just see how the rest of the season plays out. But I'm telling you, Dub, I'm really concerned about the Lakers. You know, um, like I said, I always root for LeBron. So this is not anybody. You know, I'm not hating on LeBron or hating on the Lakers or nothing like that. And I like AD. My concern is I don't think they have enough firepower. I don't, you yeah. know, after those two guys who are reliable. And I think when push comes to shove in the postseason, when it becomes harder to score, you need guys who are going to get buckets. And I, I think the Lakers have two guys who can get your buckets. But I'm watching the game today, and I was concerned that AD couldn't dominate in the post. They were putting – they were, he didn't had, dominate in the post. Dog, he was shooting jump had shots. A bad day. He, had bad, he had a bad oh. game, and I was sitting there telling the people that was watching the game with me, he's – he said, who in the end going to take over? I said, it's got to be LeBron today because uh, AD is not having a good game today. So you got to stick with LeBron. So when LeBron hits the turnaround jumper to kind of like seal the game, you go, okay, I guess you know about basketball. No, it's just it's it's game to game. And that's what strategizing is. It, it's okay, I'm going to play this game. I come into it with a formula. But if it's not working and we get to the end and it's still doable that we can win, I have to go with what works, what has worked the most today. Yeah, I get that. Today. But, 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 um, Jalen Brown and, and, and Tatum, Tatum, 
right, were 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 were, were giving AD fits in the post. And all I'm saying is AD is too big and too talented. He should be able to dominate those guys in the post. But AD is a four. And he, yeah, you're true. He has skills as a three, but he's a four. It is the position that you can defend. You can't defend a Jalen Brown who's cat quick. You can't defend. No, not defensive. Now I'm not talking about defense. I'm talking about on the offensive end. They were bodying him up and pushing him and stripping him of the ball. And he had a bad day. Because you look at you look at the game he had prior to this where he scored thirty some points and you would say no one could stop A D. I mean that that's basketball. You you, you gotta understand that everybody's not gonna have a good day all the time. And look listen to what you just said. You said LeBron's your guy. So you still saying I'm telling you Kwai's my guy, but I really don't think they can beat the Lakers in a seven-game series. The only advantage, the only advantage they have in a seven-game series, which is real powerful, is their coach. I think Doc Rivers is a better coach than than Vogel. I, I really do. And and that's not taking anything from Vogel. It's just that Doc Rivers has been doing it longer, and I think he plays the game. He understands more, and he's personable with his players. I don't think LeBron, the ADs, and all those guys allow any coach to ever be personable with them unless it was a Doc Rivers, someone they could relate to. I, I don't see that ever happening. That's why LeBron won a championship with Tyron Lue, because that was a person that LeBron could actually be personable with. So it's so many intangibles to this game of winning that that people only see the players the player is only part of the aspect. The coaching, the relationship you have with your coach, the relationship you have with your players, all that is it, it's, it's so important that, that it's so valuable that people don't people who don't coach don't understand. You you know you, you know it because you're in the baseball field and you know how tangible it is that the coach, player, manager manager relationship with the players is. Most people don't. They, they they just see talent. It's more to it than just talent. You have to be able to put those pieces together. And I'm looking at it when I'm talking to you. Believe me, I have my own personal opinion. But then I, I'm trying to do it from a perspective of if I'm coaching these guys or, you know, whatever's happening, what's going on with them and their coaches, I, I'm trying to be as, as, as how I say, well-rounded, with the whole process as I can. I'm not just looking at it from one angle. I hear and you. That, and that's why I say Los Angeles is the best team right now. Which Let's Los Angeles? Except, Which one? The, the, the Lakers. I know. I, I keep forgetting those too. Denver, I'm being honest. Denver is there, but I can't see Denver beating no. or the Clippers in a seven-game series. Neither do I. Yeah. Let's switch gears for a second. Because <clears throat> yeah. you're down there in Houston, and, you know, Houston seems to me to think that they have always have, you know, like they have a better mousetrap. And look, Westbrook, and you know, has played well this year, I think, you know, um, and I think he and Harden have been a pretty dynamic combination. But now they've gone to this thing where they've traded away Clint Capella, right, and they're playing ultimate small ball. Um mm-hmm. 
he, I'm not even going to say a lot on this. All right. Here's my opinion on small ball. It ain't going to work. So um, what's your, what's your thought? That's all I'm going to say about it. But what's your... I'm, in, I'm 110% in agreement with you. It works when you play game to game because no one can really know what it's about until we play you. But after a seven-game series and we figure this out, I got an answer. I'm going to get the lead. And once I get the lead, I, I, I want you to keep shooting threes because we understand the percentage of hitting a three is a lot lower than the percentage of me hitting a two and getting fouled and hitting a free throw. So let's do that. And I got a big man inside, and we're going to see what you're going to do. We're going to see what you're going to do to change what you're doing. And if you change anything from the small ball capacity of running, hollow, shooting, follow, you're out of it. That's all you can do with small ball, running, running hollow, shooting follow. That's, that's it. <laughs> right. There's no more, it's nothing else to it. They've been luckily, you know, three of the five last five games they've won simply because that's been their 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 motto and, and teams are saying, well, we're going to think we can beat them, but okay, they luck up and they hit some threes. But we all know the best three-point shooter in the NBA back when Larry Bird and Reggie Miller and all of them was playing when there was real three-point shooters. You got guys that shoot them now, but it's in volume. But we talking about guys who used to hit them because they could only shoot five a game and, and, you know, maybe six a game at the max, and they would hit three or four out of the five, was only shooting 30-some, 30 38, 39, close to 40%. Not always 40, but 39.9%. So you do that as opposed to somebody in a playoff shooting layups and dunking, we already know that the percentage is going to be in the 50s or the 60s. So you're not going to win games. I mean, let's be realistic. And then when your offensive players don't play defense, yeah, you go out and get Covington. You go out and, you know, you get somebody who you think can play defense a little bit, but he can only guard one man at a time. Uh, Westbrook, I give him credit. He plays defense at the point guard position as well as offense. But you, you let Russell Westbrook get hurt <laughs> for three games, you're, you're out of it. Because yeah. James Harden can't even do what Westbrook does. I mean, he can't create havoc on speed. No. You know, with speed. He can't do that. So and you know what else, Doug? I think over the past couple of years, Harden has slowly, in my opinion, developed a reputation of a guy who ultimately disappoints in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Um, you know, where he, you know, he you, you need him to, to be the guy who he was during the season, and he, and he doesn't. Yeah, because it gets tough. And but, but I think Houston, with this small ball now, where they're trying to come up with this, entirely different way of playing and you know i think they're you know they've always been driven by analytics um over these past few years and i think they've taken that up a notch now and i don't think it's going to work i i think that you know like you said i think during the season you're gonna you're gonna get your games here and there but in a series where people can game plan and make adjustments and all the rest of that and you're playing the same opponent you know, you know, for a week and two weeks or whatever. Um, I, I just don't see that working. And I, here's my prediction. This is the Mike D'Antoni swan song. He, he out of here. <laughs> hey, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You, you know, if you want to talk about analytics, 
analytics says offense wins games, defense wins championships. So now, if you're going to do the analytics, consider defense somewhere in that analyzation. You know, come on. I mean, they don't. They they don't consider defense. They went out and got Covington, but that's one guy who's known to play defense and still give you the three and D. He'll play defense and he'll hit the three. So is that going to really just take you to another level when you had Capella who was literally at some point taking care of the inside, even though there's no more center position in basketball. We we, we, we can agree to that. You don't have to be a, a pure center, but he has to be an athlete who's at least 6'10", who can jump and change shots, or he, you know, you come down and James Harden can create three people to get on him, and he throw it up in the air, and this guy jumps higher than everybody else. That that's that's your analogy of what you call, you know, like I'm gonna utilize my big. That's it. I mean, in this day in basketball, because everything, not just the Houston Rockets, everyone thinks three is better than two. I'm still yeah. As, as old as I get, I'm still one of those people. If I put my wheel on you for 48 minutes and I keep coming to the goal, you're going to break. And I'm going to win because I'm going to get a lot of three points and ones. I'm going to get a lot of fouls that stop the clock that gives me my two points. I'm going to play defense. And then I'm going to go back, stop the clock again, get some more. So my four, five, six is going to start adding up to your three. And, and I'm mean, saying, so if that's analytics, they're only using it for offense. They're not using analytics for defense. Like I said, for me, on as we talk about the Rockets and their small ball, dub is not going to work. And, you know, I, I don't know why they did it. I really don't. I think maybe, you know, they think they're smarter than everybody else. Um, but, you know, we'll see. But I, I think they're going to be an early exit from the playoffs this year and um it's kind of too bad but look this is and i don't know what they're going to do from here because when it doesn't work this year what are you going to do now clint capella's gone what are you going to do because you're going to need to get a big man again you're going to need to start building up your front court um so i don't look the rockets have put themselves in a trick bag if you ask me i I agree with you and i think it's all about cap you know, because yeah. you over you've overextended yourself with with uh, Harden and uh, Westbrook. I mean, you're talking mm-hmm. about two of those guys. That's eighty million dollars, man. Yeah, yeah. So you've overextended, and and you're trying to just make do. And if D'Antonio is still there after they make the exit, I I, I could see them if the if the season if the playoffs was to start today, they play Utah. If they play Utah, I could see them. I can see them winning. I, I literally can see them winning against Utah. But that's it. I, I can't see them beating anybody else. Nobody else. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just it. Yeah. And, and I, I really can't if 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 if, if, if uh, the Jazz got a lead, like a 10-0 lead or 10-2 lead, I don't see them beating the Jazz because Quinn Snyder would, would know how to, you know, let's compensate it. Every possession is is, 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 is is really important. So we're going inside. Let's see who could stop Gobert. Let's see who could stop, you know, 
uh, Ingo. You know, you're talking about a big guard and a big in the in the center. It, it, it's it's nothing you could do. I yeah. mean, so what, what? I don't get it. I mean, yeah, I mean, neither do I. But you know. Anyway, but listen, man, it's starting to get to that witching hour for me because brother need his beauty sleep, and you know, I, don't, I, ain't, I ain't gonna stop you from nah, man, cause, nah, because I, I, you know, but listen, before before we go though, and before you know, you know, I, I, I get my Z's, um, you know, you and I had a conversation a couple of weeks ago following you know the tragic death of Kobe Bryant and his daughter and the other seven passengers on that helicopter or seven people on the helicopter, including the, uh, the pilot uh, of the helicopter. Um, and you said something interesting because in the aftermath of, you know, that accident, you know, I was talking with my wife and I said, you know, I said, this thing hurts, man. And I said, I said, and I don't know why, um, it, it it is affecting me so deeply when truth be told, I didn't know him. And, you know, there were some people who, you know, um, I spoke with and, you know, they shared some things and they said, well, no, in some ways you really did know him. And, you know, they talked about how much, you know, seeing him come into the league and, you know, shoot up all them air balls against Utah in the playoffs <laughs> his first year. And, and then going on to be this, this you know, one of the best players in the history of the game. And we saw that unfold before our eyes. And all that makes sense. But you said something the other, you know, when we were talking a few weeks ago. And, and I can that, tell you what I said so it doesn't make it look like, you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm listening no, to you. How are you going to tell me what I, I know what you said? I'm about to tell you what you <laughs> But I no, know what I said. Yeah, but you remember. said to me that that Kobe has been in our homes for 20 years. And it was the way you said it, right, that I said, you know what? You're right. You know what I mean? It's like, and if anybody has been in your home several that long. over a 20-year period, you know him. You do that person. And every time I turned on the game, and watched the game or watched an interview. Kobe was in my living room. You know, he was in the den. He was, you know what I mean, in different parts of the house for 20 years. And and so when I thought about that from that perspective, I think that more than anything kind of hit home with me. But, um, but man, I, even now, you know, some four or five weeks later, it's I, I tell you what though it's for me it's still very hard to think about this um and you know it, it's and it's just uh, you know it's still affecting me and, and I'm still saddened by right. his past and it's not that you're not saddened by all nine of the people who passed it's just that he was in your home for 20 years the rest of them wasn't so the connection is not the same, and people have to understand that. Even if they don't want to, they go, why do they keep talking about Kobe and his daughter and not anyone else? Well, I could talk about someone else that and not say Kobe and his daughter, and you wouldn't even have an inkling of who I was talking about. So I have to put it in a perspective that you understand who I'm talking about 
so you can understand the magnitude of how this stuff reaches out to everyone, not just about me. And I, I even go one step further. You said whom we saw in our home, no, whom we let in our home. So Kobe, man, I'm telling you, he instilled in things that you and I could do the rest of our lives and could never do. He instilled that I, I, I could still be amongst the greatest, still have the work ethic of the worst trying to be the greatest. And that's what we all need to take from it. it. No matter what line of work you're in, what profession you're in, just instill that you your work ethic is that that you're the greatest. That that's that's what I take from it. And I try to be the greatest father because I'm I don't know play. I, I'm, I'm I'm a parent. I try to be the greatest father I can be and the greatest husband I can be every day. And that's what that's what I take from it. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's no question that, um, you know, whether it was his work ethic. But here's the thing. He was supremely talented. He was gifted, but he had a work ethic and he had a drive and a passion that very, very few people have. And we saw that. And, you know, it is something that's inspiring. And, you know, it's just so much about him. and so much that he did on the court and then what he was doing off the court, you know, in the four years since he retired that, um, and he was bringing that same drive, determination, passion, excellence to all the things he was doing. And, you know, it got, you know, cut short. And so, yeah, I mean, there's still something that's, that, um, that's still very difficult, but you know, you, it's, it's part of life and, you know, you, you 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 take what you can from the things that he was able to demonstrate and share, and and I think what you're saying is, um, you look to apply some of those things to your own life because they were they are the types of things that can lead you to be the best at whatever it is you choose to be, whether personally, professionally, or otherwise. Yes, sir. You you're absolutely right. And we all can learn from we all can learn from each other, man. We we just choose to put ourselves on a pedestal like we can't. We're the best, and we can't. But I'm quite sure Kobe learned that from so many people that if he was to name them all, you'd be like, for real, you learned that from him. You learn, and that's what we don't we don't we we don't have that option to to do right now because he's gone. But if you could stop and ask him that, he'd tell you some people names that he learned from that you'd be like. And ah, oh, like for sure. real, and that—that's what life's about, man. It's every day getting up, being the best you you can be, but at the same time, knowing that there are people who can teach you something to make you even better, and and, and that's that—that's what it's about. And I think Kobe took that approach every day, and he became the best Kobe Bryant that, that the world will ever see. That he did. That he did. All right, man. Well, look, you kept me up past my bedtime, man. So, brother. Yeah, you know. So I just hope I'm not going to be cranky tomorrow morning. Um, you know, because be the best Jeff Spinell that you can be tomorrow. 
I, if I'm going to be the best Jeffanel I can be tomorrow morning, I'm going to have to get my best good night sleep tonight. <laughs> Otherwise, people are in trouble. But no, nah, I'm all good, man. But listen, it was good catching up with you, man. You know, we're talking about the second half of the season. And, um, you know, um, we'll see what happens with all of it. And, and listen, we'll come back. We'll come back soon, man, and just talk about some of these games and matchups that um, are going to make up the second half of the season. And just keep an eye on everything um, as we go forward. And then also, too, man, obviously we got to keep an eye on the NCAAs. And there's some stuff that we can talk about there as well. But that's for next time, man. For this time, Dub, I appreciate you coming on um, and sharing your perspective as always, man. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll catch up again. Uh, we'll catch up again real soon and, and, and keep talking some basketball. Thank you, my brother. And I'm sorry I don't ever stay on script, man. It's, you know me, man. I, I, I have a passion for this game that, that I don't think many people could ever have, man. All right, brother. Well, we'll catch up next time, you know, and and do me a favor. Yes, sir. Go back and and do your matchups against the Clippers and the Lakers and see how fast you run out of Lakers. (laughs) Against the Rockets, and they switched him over on James Harden, and he did a great job, man. Okay. Okay. Faster than that. All right. All right. Okay. You know, you this is me. to be continued. We'll continue oh. this next time. But all right, um, all right Dub. I'll talk to you soon, man. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.